Like I said, we're going to go through this series over the next few weeks, uh, probably about four weeks. Now, the title might seem a little simple, but God, guys, and girls. We're going to be looking at, like I've already alluded to, relationships. We're looking at dating. We're looking at sex. All these things, you're probably like, uh, can we talk about this in church? And tonight, uh, we're going to really get started. But uh, as a way of getting started tonight, uh, I got to thinking back, you know, like I do a lot of times whenever I'm talking to y'all, thinking about, hey, when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, what was going on in my life? How did I uh, approach these subjects? What was running through my mind? Now, I know 20 years ago, things were a lot different than they are for y'all today. Uh, but the emotional roller coaster uh, that is, uh, quote unquote, dating. Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend when you're in middle school, when you're in high school? Uh, all of those different things uh, and the pressures that come with it, the things you're hearing from your friends, all these different things. Uh, now, I got. I actually texted my mom this afternoon because I, I wanted to do something special for y'all. Since I mentioned uh, my high school days, my middle school days, I was going to show y'all a few pictures of what your boy looked like back in the day. Uh, so, she hasn't. I didn't even tell Maria about this. So, so just so you know, just so you know, I'm aging like a fine wine. Let's just say that. All right. So, you were not single there. So, this was probably, actually, this was on a mission trip when I was a junior, right before a junior high school. I, I was skin and bone. Uh, I was like 15, almost 16. Uh, that one, I think I was like middle school, like seventh grade. I don't know what was up with the hair back in the day. I, I really don't know. And then that, that, that's a senior picture right before I graduated high school. Alright, well, I, I don't need any comparisons or any doppelgangers or looking likes right now. But, alright, so, so just so you know, I, like, you know, thankfully y'all don't have your phones right now. Alright. But, uh, tonight we're talking about, alright, like I said, we're talking about relationships. Now, now, as I got to thinking back, like I said, when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, uh, hey, what was what was the dating scene like? Uh, what were the conversations like? Uh, you know, I got to thinking back on that, uh, and uh, I got to think. You know, you know, obviously, when you're in high school, when you're in middle school, hey, it, you're going to be attracted to other people. It's normal. You're going to have crushes on people. It's normal. And I remember in you know being in those times of my life, you know, middle school and high school, uh, and remember those days. And the thing I always think back to uh, was when I was in middle school and high school, uh, I was in the friend zone all the time. All right. Now, is the friend zone still alive and active today? I don't feel a whole lot of hear a lot of talk about the friend zone. Yes. But I actually looked up. Listen to this. Listen to this. All right. I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't need everyone's uh, current status in the friend zone right now. But I did find the actual definition of what the friend zone is. All right. So listen up. It is a situation in which a friendship exists between two people, one of whom has an unreciprocated romantic interest in the other. All right? And, and you know, I remember back in the day, you know, there'd be a girl, you're like, hey, I, I would like this girl, start talking to her, and be like, ah, I think we just need to be friends. And, you know, looking back, I can laugh about all that now, you know, 20, 15, 20 years later. But when I was y'all's age, that felt like such a big deal. It felt like such a big deal to get rejected. It felt like such a big deal to get put in the friend zone. All those different things. Finding a girlfriend, you know, it might have seemed like a big deal when I was a teenager. Uh, you know, there's those those highs and lows. Hey, maybe the person actually does like you and you feel all high about it. Uh, maybe that incredible low of feeling the words, like I said, hey, I'm not interested. I, I think we should just stay friends, uh, those things. 
And I might have told you all this before, but uh, the friend zone is escapable. Uh, you're not doomed to it for forever. Um, because I would say I was in the friend zone with Maria to some degree. I, I didn't go to like the fifth level of the friend zone with Maria, but like we were in the friend zone in some ways. But I won't go to, too much into that. No, but anyway. <laughs> but anyways. All right. Anyways, besides besides the point, you know, there's all different different opinions. Y'all all have so many things, so many voices you're hearing, uh, so many people talking to you about, hey, well, you should date this person. Oh, y'all would be such a cute couple together. All these different things. And, and the point of all this series as we look over the next few weeks is, hey, what, what does God really have to say on these things? Well, what does Scripture have to teach when it comes to these uh, these topics that you're hearing about every single day? Uh, because this whole world of love, of dating, relationships, it's complicated. Uh, there's all kinds of stresses, all kinds of things that you get worried about. And then you, it becomes even more complicated uh, whenever sex enters the picture. And you might be thinking, can we actually talk about that in church? Yes, we can, but this is the Bible speaks to it. We're going to talk about that and more in the next couple weeks. But my hope in this series as we look at it over the next few weeks is this, is that the church, here at the church, it's a place where we can talk about these things and discuss the truth. Not the lies, because here's the reality. There's all kinds of lies being spewed out there about relationships. There's all kinds of lies being spewed out there about what it takes to, to get a girlfriend, to get a boyfriend, to have a healthy relationship. Uh, all kinds of lies about what sex is and what sex isn't that's being pointed towards you, that you're being bombarded with every single day. But when it comes to the church, we need to look at what does the Word of God talk about them. How can we approach those? Because the culture is telling you, hey, just do whatever you want to do. Hey, do what feels good. Uh, try it before you buy it. Explore your sexuality. You're not going to know it until you really figure it out. You know, so try whatever you want to try. Culture will tell you, you know, what the Bible says on sex, what the Bible has to say on relationships. That, that's outdated. Yeah, you, you can't listen to the Word of God on these things. You need to listen to the culture. That, that's what, outside of these walls, that's what the world you're living in, the world you're growing up in is going to tell you about these subjects. But the truth is this, is that the eternal Word of God can, and it should be trusted over the temporal opinions of today. I'm going to say that again. The eternal Word of God, the Bible, it needs to be trusted over temporary opinions of the people talking today. Well, we base our life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we base our life upon, hey, what has God said about this? And how should that play out in my life? So for the next four weeks, like I said, we're going to cover these topics and what they, God has to say about it. And like I said, tonight we're going to talk about relationships. And we're not just talking about relationships between boyfriend and girlfriend. If you're in a relationship... We're going to talk about that, but we're just talking about relationships in a broader term as well. You see, relationships have always been a huge deal. In fact, did you know that the very first uh, human crisis in all of human history was a relational crisis? That's what are you talking about? Well, you go back to the beginning. You go to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. We read what? What happens in the very beginning of the Bible? All right, God creates. God creates many different things. And all throughout the story, we read God calling the things He created good. Just a few examples. Genesis chapter 1 verse 10 says that God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together He called seas. And God saw that it was good. And then you jump down to verse 12, and it says, The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. So that's two, but there's even more. Genesis 1.18, after creating the sun, the moon, and the stars, it says God said that was good. Verse 21, after creating the sea creatures, it says God said that was good. 
Verse 25, after creating land creatures, it says, and God said that was good. Each verse ends with that statement. And God saw that it was good. So there's, there's a lot of good stuff going on in the creation narrative. A lot of good things going on as God is creating. But in Genesis 2, something happens that the Bible says is not good. Now, now I'm not talking about the serpent deceiving Adam and Eve and, and sin entering the world. You see, that happens in chapter 3. But in chapter 2, there's a little bit of a crisis before sin enters the picture. Say, what are you talking about? Well, in chapter 2, it happened when God created the very first person, which was who? Adam. He creates Adam. All right, From the dust of the earth, he creates Adam. In verse 18 of chapter 2, it says something was not good. I say, well, what do you mean? Genesis 2.18, it says this. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. So it's not good for the man to be alone. The first problem in all creation was loneliness. It was not good for that man, for Adam, to be by himself. So God, being God in His infinite wisdom, He had a solution. In Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 21 and 22, it says this. It says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made a rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. All right, and what was that woman's name? Well, Bible trivia for you. All right, Eve. You know, Adam and Eve, the first two people. So God creates relationships. He creates relationships from the very start. He said, it's not good for you to be alone. You need other people. And, and, and even more so, the crazy thing, God gets right to the point of it as he creates a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, of what that union is to look like. Just the next verse down, 23 through 25, it says, Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So Adam, you know, he kind of you know, has this little, kind of like almost a poem he, he speaks uh, I don't know, I guess it's kind of romantic. He speaks to, hey, he sees his wife, and he says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Not exactly the most um, romantic statement probably, but that's what he said. But then that whole statement in verse 24, uh, it talks about it even more. It says that the two became one flesh. It's talking about the bond of marriage. It's talking about the guy created that union to be between a man and his wife of sex. It's to be within those boundaries. And we're going to dive even deeper into that topic of sex here in a couple of weeks, of how God designed it and how He calls us to handle it. But for now, I just want to pause and make one thing clear. That God created sex. All throughout the world, sometimes we like look at sex and we think, well, that's just that's kind of a dark thing. God created it. It was a good creation of God. But He had a very specific purpose, a very specific design for it. And it's a big deal to Him. And because it's designed by Him and it's a big deal to Him, it's important that we learn the way He designed it and how He wants us to approach it in our lives. Now, I'll leave it at that tonight. We'll dive into it here in a couple weeks a little bit deeper. But again, we'll talk about it in the weeks to come. But tonight I want us to look at relationships. And like I said, not just the romantic relationships, but relationships as a whole. So there's a few points I got for you. I got papers for you all tonight to read along. A few points about relationships that I want you to get. So, so the first thing I want you to get is this, is that we need relationships. We need them. There's, there's something within us that knows it's not good for me to be alone. 
Yeah, sometimes you like alone time to where you can be by yourself and kind of chill out, collect your thoughts and get together or whatever. But the first relationship God created was one between a guy and a girl, between a husband and a wife. But you see, that was designed then. And it doesn't mean that that's the only relationship that God was talking about. He's also talking about other relationships. We can find belonging, we can find comfort in relationships with our parents and with friendships, uh, whether it's through a mentor or a coach, someone that cares about you. We have all different kinds of relationships. Y'all have got friends, you've got family members, you've got people you hang out with, all these different things. And one of the great things we see in Scripture is that we're better when we have relationships than when we're all alone. All throughout the Bible, you rarely see a person being alone for long periods of time. Sure, there's times where God will break them away and call them to go out by themselves. But he always brings them back to the group. It's just like the church. We need each other. You need the church. You need other believers to be around you, helping you in your faith. You see, God didn't design us to lone wolf this thing called life. And this isn't just about like finding a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a husband or a wife. This is relationships in general. We need them. We need to have people in our life. People that love us. People that care about us. People that encourage us. People that hold us accountable. Uh, people that are going to try and steer us in the right direction whenever we start going down a bad path. We all need relationships. As much as we need them, the number, the number two thing about relationships is this, is that relationships are complicated. They, they, they can be complicated. All right, just a little question, a little show of hands. All right, in, in the past week, I want you to think, maybe even in the past day, who, who has had some kind of stress, some kind of frustration uh, with another person, whether it might be a parent, your sibling, uh, a friend, boyfriend, who's, who's been frustrated with another human being over the last week. All right? We all have, right? If you haven't been frustrated with another human being, uh, you're lying. Lot. Yeah. Because we get frustrated with one another. All right? They get complicated. They can get frustrating, relationships can. You know, there, there can be the highs, there can be the, the good times of relationships and friendships and all these things. There, there can be the frustrating times uh, of feeling of upset, of where you're down, where you're out, where you're mad at somebody, whatever it might mean. And it's not that hard to figure out why relationships are complicated. So why are they so complicated? Well, when you take, get this, when you take two individuals, two people, and they have their own personalities, their own tastes, strengths, their weaknesses, their desires... It gets a little messy. You know, some of us are more headstrong than others. Some of us are a little bit more talkative than others. Some of us uh, are wired this way. Others are wired that way. Especially whenever this enters the picture, when you throw in this thing called sin into the mix, that we're sinful people, it makes things complicated. It can make things messy. Sometimes relationships can cause little messes, like little things that just kind of irk us the wrong way. Maybe it's somebody just rubbing us the wrong way. Maybe somebody getting on our nerves for a short period of time. Just little things, little inconveniences throughout the day. But in some relationships, there's big messes. Messes that have kind of a ripple effect that affect you and maybe affect others. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, th think about it this way. There, there may be people that someone has hurt them, a person that they thought was that cared about them, and it led to hurt. A relationship that led to her, a relationship that led to a bigger mess. Maybe it's the person you go to school with. Maybe it's someone here tonight that you're being bullied. Maybe you feel like everybody's tearing you down. And maybe now you're feeling like, hey, my life is worthless. Maybe I don't really matter. Because someone actually talked down to you and made you feel lesser than. Or maybe you're doing that to people out in the world. That can lead to a bigger mess where a person says, hey, 
I'm not worth it anymore. My life isn't valuable. That can lead to a big mess where a person feels like, hey, I need, my life is not worth it anymore. That's a potential big mess that it can lead to. Or, or maybe another one is this. Maybe it's in a relationship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, where they just start talking. They kind of like each other. They start texting or Snapchatting or whatever. And they say, hey, it, it's love. We're in love. Uh, you know, they, they walked into it with high standards. You know, say, hey, we're going to have high boundaries, high standards for ourselves. But then they decided they would pass those lines. They ended up doing things they never thought that they would do. And now there's shame. Now there's guilt. Now they think, man, I wish we hadn't crossed that line. That can lead to big messes. That not only affects them in the here and the now as they're with that person or if they break up, but it could also create even more complications for down the road if they get married to another person, for their spouse of the future. Uh, maybe it's a husband and wife that's going through a divorce. That's another big mess where you know someone did something they weren't supposed to. Someone was unfaithful. And then you see the ripple effect of that, and it affects their kids and their families. It creates bigger messes, all these things. Like relationships can get messy whenever, we, we, whenever we're involved in them, but we still need them. You say, well, hey, why, why don't we just bail on all of it? You know, the only way to avoid these messes would be to just pack up, just move to the mountains and live like a hermit, right? But like we've already established, we need relationships. We're not designed... To be alone, because from the very beginning, as God said in Genesis, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good. So what do we do? we got to learn to navigate relationships, work to avoid these messes. And when they do happen, because they will, because we're sinful human beings, there's going to be messy parts of dealing with other human beings. We work through the messes. Oh, we seek grace and forgiveness, and we love one another. And when it comes to relationships... I found that there's, when it comes to it, there's a couple things that can lead to these messes to where we really get things kind of out of order that can make maybe a little bit of a mess, a little bit of a problem into something bigger. And now this is by no means exhaustive. There's several reasons as to why messes can happen, why things can fall out of the way that they fall. But there's two things that I want you to really hone in on tonight. See, the first thing is this, is that messes happen when relationships push us away from God. If a relationship is pushing you away from God, this isn't necessarily just a boyfriend-girlfriend thing. If any relationship is pushing you away from God, it can create a mess in your life. I mean, all the way back in the beginning, you go to Genesis with Adam and Eve. You see, God places them in the garden. He gives them the freedom to do almost anything they want. He just puts that one condition in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. He says, The Lord God commanded the man, You're free to eat from any tree of the garden. But, the one, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. On the day you eat of it, you will certainly die. Then the serpent comes in. Satan comes along, throws this idea to Eve that maybe God's commands, maybe God's ways aren't actually worth following. In Genesis 3, Genesis 3, 4, and 5, it says this. The serpent said, he said, no, you will certainly not die, he said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, Satan's goal then and his goal even for you today, hear me, is for you to doubt the goodness of God, for you to doubt the word of God. And this, this interaction between serpent, the serpent and Eve causes a mess that she takes in with, like that causes sin to enter the picture. Verse 6, the woman saw the tree was good for delightful to look at. It was desirable for obtaining wisdom, so she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And we know what happens next. Sin enters the picture. And we're still dealing with sin today. 
We're dealing with all the sin, our own sin. We see the sin that affects others out in the world. You see the sin all around us. So I want you to consider something tonight. If you have any relationships, I want you to consider if you have any relationships. I want you to think about this. Do you have any relationship in your life right now? It could be a friend, it could be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whoever it might be. Do you have anyone in your life that's pushing you away from God that you know? They're not drawing you closer to the Lord. They're pushing you away from Him. And I'm not talking about just unbelievers. Maybe you say, well, i got a person that I'm friends with that doesn't follow Jesus. I'm not just t- picking on unbelievers. You might have friends, you might have someone in your life that's a believer, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It could be anybody that claims to be a follower of Jesus. They claim to be a Christian. But deep down, you know they're pushing you further and further away from God. If you have any kind of relationship with that, like that, something needs to change. And you might be thinking of that person right now. Because you may be heading towards a mess. You may be heading towards something that's going to be destructive. Something that's going to hurt you in the long run. Maybe you just need to talk to that person. And say, hey, I, my faith is important to me. Something needs to change. It might be a difficult conversation. Maybe you need to kind of draw back a little bit. Talk to that person. Or maybe there needs to be some drastic steps. Maybe you just need to, to cut the relationship altogether because you know that person is pushing you away from God. They're not bringing you closer to Him. Now, yes, we're called to go and reach lost people. We're supposed to have friends that are unbelievers and try to love them like Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that are in your inner circle, people you're close with. It might be a significant other, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, that if you were being honest, you say, hey, that person does not make me more like Jesus. They're pushing me away from Jesus. They're causing me to do things that's not making me more like the Lord. And the second thing that causes messes is that messes happen when relationships take the place of God. The first one was that messes happen when relationships push us away, but also whenever they take the place of God. So think about it this way. All right, y'all may not know all of these, but in the Old Testament, there's the Ten Commandments. Y'all heard of them, right? Y'all heard of the Ten Commandments, right? Uh-huh. Okay, just making sure y'all are with me. All right, these ten rules that God calls His people to live by, live live by rather, are rooted in relationships. You see, the first four are focused on how our relationship with God should work. That's how the first four. The first four are about our relationship with God. The last six are about our relationship. With other people. And the very first commandment. Does anybody know commandment number one off the top of your head? So you gotta remember. I know some You shall have no other gods before me. Ding, ding, ding. Exodus chapter 20. That's where you'll find it. Exodus 20, verse 3 is commandment number one. You shall have no other gods before me. You might be thinking, okay, what is worshiping another god or having another god instead of believing in the one true? What does that have to do with relationships, Barry? What does that have to do with dating or anything like that? All right, just hang with me. It has everything to do with it. You see, when we elevate a relationship with another person above our relationship with Christ, we are making that person a God and breaking the first commandment. I'm going to say that again in case you didn't register. If you're putting another person above God in your life, you're making that person a God. You're putting them above God, which God is meant to be number one. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, and all your strength. You have no other gods before me. And we're not meant to try and elevate people to the position of God. It's just not the way it's supposed to work. And maybe you think, I'm not 
not making him a god, Barry. You might very well be and not even realize it. <coughs> and this might be, I want you to get this, like this, this statement I'm going to have on the screen here in a minute. Just to take something away from it, to, to hold on to kind of as a, uh, a walking point for the night when it comes to this. When it comes to, are you making people out to be God? Are you making relationships? Are you making a person your God? Are you following after them more than you're following after Jesus? And it's this, is because unless I'm wholeheartedly pursuing a relationship with Christ, all other relationships will be a hopeless attempt to fill that void. It's a hopeless attempt. If you're trying to find meaning, if you're trying to find worth, if you're trying to find your identity in another human being, it's going to be a hopeless attempt because that person is never going to be able to live up to that. They just aren't. That's not the way it works. No relationship can take the place of a relationship that we're meant to have with our Creator, with Jesus Christ. That's the heart of that first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And making something to God is when we place it on the top of the shelf and make it the main priority of our life. Now, we, just to be clear, we, like I said earlier, we need relationships. But they cannot fulfill what God can fulfill. They're a gift from God, but they're not meant to be a God. Now, get that? Relationships are a great gift from God, but they are not meant to be God. And this is huge when it comes back down to what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. We're talking about love. We're talking about dating, sex, marriage, all these things. Because you may be sitting here tonight and you might be just so consumed. Man, if I could, could just get a girlfriend, if I could just get a boyfriend, if I could just get him to notice me, then everything would fall into place. Everything would be great in my life. Or, or maybe you might have that significant other in your life right now, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, and you've elevated him to a place in your life that only God deserves. You're making them the thing that you're going after the hardest in life, if you're being honest. You're making them the thing that you desire the most in this life. You're elevating them to that position of God. So how do I know if I'm elevating them to, to God? How, am I, how do you know that? Just a couple of questions I want you to ask yourself if you think this might be you. If you think, hey, maybe I've put my relationship above God. Let me ask you, does, does that person, does that person pull you away from God does that person pull you away from church? Do, do they maybe claim to be a Christian? They maybe claim to be a follower of Jesus, but they're trying to get you to participate in things that you know are sinful. Or are they trying to get you to do that? Or are they causing you to make decisions that don't honor God? Are, are they influencing you and trying to get you to do things that are in disregard to your parents, that are in disregard to obeying your parents? Because like it or not, that's what you're supposed to do. Your parents are meant to care and love for you. You're meant to honor your father and mother. And maybe you're in a relationship with somebody and they're pointing you away from God instead of pointing you towards God. And maybe you put that person on a pedestal and you're like, man, this is the main focus of my life. And you try to sprinkle Jesus in there somewhere along the lines, but that's not what it's meant to be. It's meant to be Jesus and then everything else. And if you answered yes to any of those, you might need to end that relationship. If you elevated that person to, to a place where you're actually having them above your relationship with Jesus. Because they're not meant to be that. They're not meant to be the top person, the top priority in your life. So I'll just kind of finish up here in just a minute. But, alright, so in, in case you didn't know, I'm married. Shocker, right? I have this ring on my finger, right? Alright, I'm married to Maria. 
All right, I love Maria. All right, Maria, Maria is one of the greatest blessings in my life. Which I listen up with. She, she's a, a great encouragement. She, she helps me out in so many different ways. She's a great partner that I walk with in life. And it's hard to imagine life without her. But listen, Maria is an amazing wife, but she is a horrible God. I hope that landed for you. Because the same might be true for you today. You might think, oh, I've got this girlfriend, I've got this boyfriend, they're so awesome, they're so great, they're so this, they're so that. They're going to make a horrible God for you. Because they're not meant to be the God of your life. That's Jesus. You see, I love Maria, but she is not worthy of my worship. That's only for Jesus. She will never be able to complete me. Now, I know some of the adults might know Jerry or Jerry McGuire back in the day. You complete me. Hey, guess what? Another person is not going to complete you. Jesus Christ is the one that's going to complete you. You see, Maria cannot save me from my sin. She can't do anything about that. And at the end of my life, hear me. We're almost done. Focus up, y'all. At the end of my life, I'm not going to stand before Maria and give an account for my life. I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to stand before my Creator. You see, the same is for you. That person or relationship is not meant to be your God. Relationships are awesome. God created them. He wants us to have significant relationships and friendships in this life. But if you elevate that person and that relationship to the status of God, it's going to be a horrible God for you. Because they're going to fail you whenever God will never fail you. Jesus will never fail you. And we're just kind of getting started on this journey tonight of talking through this. But I want to just land with just talk about relationships tonight. So maybe you want to avoid those things. And maybe you're looking at your own life tonight and you're thinking, hey, if I'm just being completely honest, and this is between you and God, I want you to think about this. And let God search your heart on this. Are you putting that person, whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or anybody, any relationship, are you putting that above your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you making that person a God in your life? Because it's not what they're meant to be. You're meant to wholeheartedly pursue your relationship with Jesus. That's the greatest relationship that we're meant to have. That's the greatest relationship you were created to have. You were meant to know your Creator. And when you pursue Christ above everything and anything else, the rest will work out in His timing. You see, sometimes we don't trust God to take care of those other things. But God even says it all throughout His Word. Hey, if you seek me, if you trust me, I'm going to take care of the other details of your life in time. It's just a matter of do you trust God to do and say to do what he says he's going to do. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, seek ye first, seek you first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me put that back down in the layman's terms. Seek Jesus first, all right? The second part of that verse says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And what he means by that is hey, seek first God, everything else will take care of itself in life. I'm going to take care of what you need. I'm going to make sure you have what you need in life. It's just a matter, are you going to trust God with that? <coughs> because when you do, He will take care of it. And that's something I learned in my own life. I know I kind of opened talking about, hey, when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, and I was you know, thinking about dating, uh, girlfriends, all this stuff, it was just became this thing where it's like, man, you got to find somebody. Even people start talking, you ever going to get a girlfriend? You're going to start dating. And when I was in college, it really became a thing where I said, hey, I'm going to trust God with this. I'm not going to feel like I had to put this pressure on me. i got to just go out and like find somebody because if I try and do it on my own, I'm going to make poor choices. 
But if I'm seeking God, and I'm trusting God, and I'm praying and seeking, trusting God to bring that person into my life at the right time, He will. And He did. You see, the less I stop trying to force it and pressure myself and do it on my own, and started to trust God with it, He'll take care of it. He will. It's just a matter of trust. It's a matter of, hey, I'm putting God as number one priority in my life. The number one relationship in my life is my relationship with Jesus. And maybe for some of you tonight, you need to start that relationship tonight of knowing Jesus Christ, of putting your faith and trust in Him, and letting Him save you, and letting Him become the God and the King and the Lord of your life. Because He's the only one that's worthy of that title, not any other person. And maybe you need to be saved tonight. You save your sin. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The only one that can save you is Jesus. And if that's you tonight, I hope you would come and talk to somebody. I hope you have somebody pray with you about that. But I'm hoping if you're a believer in Jesus that you're having your relationships put in the right place, that you're not making people out to be a God because people are going to make a horrible God for you. That's only meant for one person. That's meant for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. So, Father...